Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Today on 30 Minutes, we'll hear excerpts from the 2016 Tucson Festival of Books. Americans All, Breaking the Color Barrier in Mainstream Publishing, features authors Kathy Camper and Meg Medina discussing their processes, challenges, and successes in making literature more representative and accessible. It was held at the Pima County Public Library's Nuestras Raices Pavilion. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. The presentations you see here are brought to you by Nuestras Raices, a Pima County Public Library program that builds community by celebrating Mexican-American authors, arts, and culture. The following presentation and all those in our tent are made possible by the generous support of the Friends of the Pima County Public Library. Our next presentation is Americans All, Breaking the Color Barrier in Mainstream Publishing. Authors Kathy Camper and Meg Medina will share strategies for creating and promoting best-selling teen and children's fiction, featuring strong, diverse protagonists. And now I'd like to introduce your moderator for this presentation, Gina Macalusa. I'm Gina Macalusa. I'm an assistant professor at the School of Information here at the University of Arizona. And I run a program called Knowledge River. And Knowledge River recruits people who are committed to serving Latino and Native American needs in the information field. So as Margie said, we have today Kathy Camper, who is the author of Low Riders in Space, and a new book coming out in April, I believe, Low Riders to the Center of the Earth. Kathy is a librarian, public librarian, who that is near and dear to my heart, as I was a public librarian for 27 years. Um, and she's from Portland, Oregon. Next, we will have Meg Medina. Um, and she is the author of several books, both children, picture books, and teen books. And she will be speaking today about a book she wrote called Yaki Delgada Wants to Kick Your Ass. She is an award-winning Cuban-American author whose works examine how culture intersects, specifically as seen through the eyes of young people. So I'm going to turn it over to Kathy and Meg, and we'll start from there. Hello. <laughs> okay. Should we just start to introduce ourselves and where our work sort of places us? Okay. So I do write picture book, middle grade, and YA fiction. I'm most known for Yaki Delgado Wants to Kick Your Ass because of the title and um, because it so far has been the most successful of my books in terms of naming high school experience, bullying, and that kind of thing. The book that's here today is Burn Baby Burn, which just came out, which is set in 1977 in New York at the height of the disco era. Most people know me as a Latina writer because I write in celebration of family as seen through the lens of Latino families. And so why is that so crucial, right? It's true that many things are universal about all families, but I find, and maybe Kathy, you'll speak to this as well, is that I'm also writing against stereotype of our families. So I try to create casts of characters and situations that really reflect who we are, so that we're not reduced to stereotypes like 
the super sexy Latina lady and, you know, all of those kinds of things, but that we really have examples not only for our own youth, but for non-Latino youth to get a window into what our culture is. So um, I'm Kathy Camper, and I'm not Latina, I'm Arab American, but I am a public librarian and I do outreach to kids. And I ended up writing my graphic novel, Lowriders in Space, because I was so angry that I didn't have this book to give to kids. And I was also equally angry at the publishing world. Um, this was back in about 2006. More recently, we've had something that's come out called We Need Diverse Books. So we're in a very fluid, changing time for the better, I hope. I was really fed up with how publishers play people of color and people trying to change. And so when I went forward with my book, I kind of had three plans. One was that I wanted a book that would reach English and Spanish speaking kids and also boys because there's a lot of women in publishing and in libraries and schools and that's kind of affected what gets published. And I also wanted to do a comic, a graphic novel, and then the second thing I wanted to do, I had published a book before this about giant prehistoric insects, but I wanted to take all the privilege and connections I could that I had and use them to bring somebody else into the field. So my artist, who's fantastic, his name is Raul Gonzalez, and he lives in Boston. I said, I'm going to fight to have you come in with me. And this is not the standard in picture books. You are not supposed to bring in an artist with you. But I thought, you know, I don't want to just put a book out there. I want to change things behind the scene. And by bringing in more people, that's, that's how we change it. And then the third thing that Raul and I both felt very strongly, I work doing outreach to kids as a librarian, and he works doing outreach to kids for museums. He goes out and works doing art with kids. So we both had this in our hearts that our book would go forward and set an example for kids that they can do it themselves. So Raul drew everything in Lowriders in Space is drawn with big pens. You know the kind of pens you have in school. I also included a glossary in the book so that the book would be accessible to kids anywhere because, for example, I serve incarcerated kids and you can't get on the internet if you're incarcerated and you, you might not even be able able to get a dictionary. So I was trying to think of all the ways the book could empower kids and reach them. You started to talk a little bit about the culture in your books. One of the questions I wanted to pose to you was what makes something authentic? That's of course a big question in publishing right now because one thing that's happening is that you know publishing has responded. We, we continually have studies and have had for decades pointing out that less than 3% of books are by or about a Latino, and it's similar for African-American populations, for First Nations, et cetera. One thing that happens is that you'll get authors who'll say, okay, I will put a Latino character in my book. And they might not be of the culture, and so what they will try to do, and maybe you have similar experience, they'll, they'll say, okay, my character's name is Maria, and she lives here, and she eats tamales, and..." I'm done, right? That's my diversity. And so what makes something authentic, ideally, in my mind, is that the author is of that culture or heavily exposed in that culture and is writing the nuances of our relationships, the nuances of our belief systems and how we connect. I also feel like it is not impossible for someone outside the culture to write a good piece, but 
it requires, I think, extensive research. I think it requires vetting it with other people from within the culture to make sure that you've gotten things right. And I think also it requires humility. When you're sharing the work and saying to someone, do you think I have this right? You have to be willing to listen if they say no. For example, so I write Latino characters, but sometimes my characters are of other cultures, right? So in Burn Baby Burn, one of my favorite characters is a woman named Stiller, who's a black woman who is an activist. She's a tenant activist in 1977. So I had to really research what feminism was to a black woman in 1977 that might have been different to, from what it was to a white woman in 1977 or a Latina woman in 1977. I wrote, I researched, I tried to get her just so, but when I was done, I gave my work to friends who are seasoned authors, women of color. I gave my manuscript to women who lived in that time. And I asked for feedback and I had to approach it with the humility that if they told me I got something wrong that I'd be willing to go back in and fix it out of respect and, and the need for, to offer people dignity of their own experience. Yeah, I agree really, really with what you say. And I also think there's no way we're going to write books that are just about one culture because that's not what I live. And it goes beyond culture. It can be class. It can be age levels. A couple things. I, I look to journalists because journalists cover some very intense situations that's not of their culture. And in Portland, there's a journalist named Joe Sacco who wrote a graphic novel called Palestine. And he went into Palestine in the middle of the conflict, and he's drawing and writing about that conflict, which is very person to person. It's not like something you can go outside of it. But I heard him speak, and he said he always draws himself as kind of this dopey looking guy with blank glasses on. And I thought that's where I'm gonna try to start from my book, that this isn't my story, it's not my ego, it's listening to people of other cultures. So I did a ton of research, but I also just listened to people, talking to people, have multiple people read your books and give you feedback. Another thing, when I was coming here, I was listening on the radio and they were talking about gentrification in New York. And one of the things they said, what's gentrification? And they said, well, it's when somebody comes in and they say, we're gonna build this building here and we're gonna plunk our building here. We're not gonna look at what is the surrounding, whether our building fits here, and then we're gonna have our business. But we don't care if any of the neighborhood businesses are affected or if the neighborhood even wants our business here. And we're gonna appeal to a whole different crowd that maybe isn't even living in this neighborhood and we're going to change the values of the land and um, you know even the culture of that street and I thought that's the same thing with writing a book if you go into writing a book and you have those gentrification attitudes you're doing the wrong thing give it up but if you think of a good business going in they talk to the neighbors around they make sure that their building fits in with what's already there they hire people from the neighborhood they you know interact they have products the neighbors need and that makes it better for for everybody. So I tried as best I could to do that. We'll probably get into this 
a little bit later, but something in a graphic novel to remember is that there's, <laughs> as soon as you sign with the publisher, the book is no longer yours <laughs> in the sense that they need to get their money out of it too. For me, I was working with Raul, the artist, and we were lucky to have this wonderful relationship where we could talk back and forth and work like jazz musicians. So he could add in some, like he's like, I'm drawing this guy and is it okay if he says this? And I'm like, cool. And then I might say, hey, what if you drew it this way? So we had that ability, whereas regularly you don't. But we also had two editors, an art director, a copy editors that go over what you've written. And then there's those behind the scene people, the marketing and the money people. And um, Meg can maybe talk to this more as a novelist, but there are a lot of decisions that are put to you and you alone as the creator have to go, am I going to fight for this or am I going to give this one up because I got to fight for something bigger over here. So when books come out, there's kind of a behind the scenes stuff that goes on too. And it's not like you have total control over what the book looks like. You're listening to remarks made at the 2016 Tucson Festival of Books at the panel Americans All, Breaking the Color Barrier in Mainstream Publishing on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. And all of these people that you mentioned all have different motives. And so right. how do you balance that as an author? Life as an author has the creative aspect of it, and then it has the business aspect. And you have to really learn to work in both of those for a time completely separately. Otherwise, you're going to start writing with this strange thing of, gee, will this sell? And like, there's something very plastic that's going to doom your, your book with that. So they're two separate impulses. But I would like to say something about the marketing team and so on. So I publish with Candlewick Press, which is based in Somerville, Massachusetts, right? And they have a reputation for producing beautiful books. That's their MO. I love them as a publisher, and they don't have a Latino staff, really, to speak of. Not in marketing, not in editorial, not anywhere. That hasn't actually stopped my editor, who doesn't speak one single word of Spanish, from being a great editor for me. We work really well together. But my relationship with Candlewick is sometimes one of shared learning. For example, what are the publications where they need to advertise a book that appeals to both Spanish-dominant Latinos versus English-dominant Latinos? What are the news outlets that they should go to? What are the book festivals? All of these things are slightly different when you're talking about work that represents a, a diverse you know, range of, of voices. And some of that is simply not known. So a lot of it is, is experimentation. I'm fortunate in that I'm bilingual so that I can do interviews and so on on Spanish language or on, on English language. But there are plenty of Latino authors that are only English speaking, right? So all of those things are brand new ways of thinking inside of publishing. It feels very normal to us. It's our reality, right? But it hasn't been theirs. So a lot of times I feel like we're working together to figure something out. And I, I haven't really run into really big um, disagreements, thank goodness. I try to approach it in the spirit of learning together so that we reach more people and reach them well. Yeah, I think 
for me, it was Chronicle is a small publisher in San Francisco, and our editor was right behind us on us. She took on Low Riders because she's Korean American, and she said, I felt this as a kid, and now as an editor, I have the ability to change this. I can start publishing books that make a difference. But when I was pitching this book, it was the beginning of the recession, so publishers were getting very uptight about what they were publishing a lot. We're just publishing fairy tales because they could get a good illustrator and not take any risks. So when I'd send it out, I'd hear things like great story, great art, but um, too marginal a market. And this was in my pitch, I would say by 2050, a third of the country is going to be English Spanish speaking. And one thing I realized is that in New York, they don't know what's going on on the West Coast. They really don't in that sense. And so I felt like getting a West Coast publisher was great. Chronicle, this was their first graphic novel. So the first book was a mess. <laughs> we were sending emails and people, at one point, Raul doesn't always like to have to pencil in every word out of every cartoon bubble, you know, if you think of hundreds of pages. So he had just kind of sketched them in, but then the editors started thinking those were changes I had made, and they were working from the text that way. And I was like, no, 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 go back to the printed text. He just didn't want to do that. So it took us a lot to figure out, but like one of the things that I had to argue, um, at one point one of our editors thought that all the Spanish in the gloss should be preceded by the article. So like El or Los, and even things like Los Vatos, which you would never say. And she said, this would be a good way for kids to learn Spanish. They can learn the genders. And I'm like, that's not what this book is for. If you think of how kids look something up, they, they just look at the word and try to match it. They don't, they're not going to know that it has this article. So. That was something I really fought for, and I said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. But there was other things that sometimes I had to give up. Also, I would get an email, imagine this, you're at work, you get an email at noon saying, Kathy, we need to know by three if you agree to these changes. So, you know, on my lunch hour, I'm trying to check and make sure that they're right. And I just mentioned this because I think things are really different than that kind of Hemingway version where editors fawn over you and you have this very clear defined manuscript. But all that said, I'm really, really proud of what Chronicle gave us and both Raul and I are so lucky to have this space to work together. A little more about Raul, he grew up in El Paso and the books are kind of set in El Paso. If you live there, there's probably some things you would recognize. And I was talking to him about if he wanted to do future books and he said yes because this gives me such a chance to expand. If I had to work with another author, I'd be locked into doing what their words said. And he said I'd have to do a lot of research, which I don't really like to do. So I think that not only you know race issues aside, the fact that we've been able to cut out this space and work together as a partnership is a new precedent. So I'm really happy about that. So you both talked about maybe new channels or different channels of reaching readers. Did you help your publishers with those newer or different channels? I think it's just both. Sometimes they'll come up with a list and they'll say, these are some of the news outlets we want to approach. What do you think? Sometimes they know more than I do. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really a shared kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's a shifting. Has social media played into 
the one thing I will say about social media and news outlets, I'm wrapping my head around it right now, is that it changes, it's changing drastically. So when the Aisa Once a Car came out in 2011, right, there were maybe four or five places that they were gonna go with this book. By the time Yaki Delgado Wants to Kick Your Ass came out, and then this year with Burn Baby Burn, the list is enormous, it's explosively long, and a series of amazing bloggers, blogueras, that, that are, uh, there's Latinas and Kidlit, if you are interested, they do an amazing job of reviewing and promoting Latina voices in children's literature, and, and they've got some chops. Shelly Diaz at School Library Journal just got promoted to uh, heading up their reviews, and getting reviewed in School Library Journal is a big deal. Where you get reviewed breaking into that place of being reviewed by Kirkus or by uh, Booklist, those kinds of things really matter because as you know, as librarians, that's where people go to decide what they're gonna put in their collection. So the fact that Shelley is there, and I'm not saying she's sitting there going, oh, we better put this Latino in, but, but it's a voice, it's a, an awareness of other voices so that all books have a fighting chance to be reviewed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I have a lot of good alternative ways I'd like to sell my book, but because I work full time and have to do these things on my vacation, but I would love to connect to car clubs and I've started to make that happen. My, my publisher didn't pay for anything that I did the first year the book came out. So I paid, I went to Reforma, which is the English-Spanish librarians convention and it was in San Diego. And it only happens every three years. So I knew it was important to go. So I connected with a lot of librarians there and I paid to have bookmarks published so I could say here here's bookmarks because I the book wasn't being sold by my publisher at the fair so out of that I made really good connections with librarians and I worked with librarians in the Mission District and in Oakland and in Sebastopol to do about a week of visits to the Bay Area and um, what my plan was was to work with these librarians and see if they could bring the lowrider car clubs from their neighborhoods and it wasn't even about my book so much as if you can make this connection with this history that's right in your neighborhood and if we can tie literacy into that fantastic so we were working up to the day of it happened and it turned out nobody came through except the mission and on the last day I was there this guy brought his big white Impala lowrider and he parked it in front of the mission library on 24th, which is the neighborhood where the old lowriders used to be. But he had to go to a lowrider picnic, so he said, I want you to stand out here with my car and watch it. So <laughs> the branch librarian and I were standing there, and she was giving out branch material, and I was giving out bookmarks. And it was the most wonderful experience. There was a couple that was taking their uh, wedding photos, and they posed in front of the car. There was old guys that came and started talking about, you know, remember Robert who had this car they re they were remembering all this and the branch librarian turned to me at one point and she said you want to get attention to your library park a lowrider in front of it <laughs> um, 
um, because she was seeing this happen too. And then it was pretty amazing um, at three when he said he'd pick up his car, he came running up. It was almost like a superhero, jumped in his car and pulled out. And then we saw there was three other cars from this picnic and they cruised slowly down 24th Street. And it, it just felt so, so wonderful. And then I was able to send his contact to Oakland and Sebastopol so that hopefully they could do that. I'm also in touch with librarians in East LA and I would like to try to do that same thing. So again, I think that part of the success of the book isn't just like I'm sitting back here selling the book and counting the bucks. It's like how does your book be like socially responsible for the neighborhood or how, how can people use it to bring people to literacy or bring people to the libraries? Both of your books speak to youth in a very authentic way. What has been the reaction of youth who've read your books that you've talked to? Well, just this afternoon, I had the pleasure of being interviewed by seniors at uh, Tucson High School. And honestly, it's such a touching experience to talk with young people who say, I saw my mother in your book. I saw this exact, I've lived this. Um, thank you for asking the question. You know, in Yaki Delgado Wants to Kick Your Ass, for example, there's a part, Pity, the main character, is very good at science. She's a good student. She's whatever. And at some point, she says in the novel that someone doesn't think she's Latina enough because of all of these things, which is, of course, just a ridiculous stereotype. But I get girls all the time saying to me, thank you for asking that question. What does it mean to be Latina enough? Do I have to speak Spanish? Do I have to have a skin tone a certain color? Do I have to be from a certain country? What is it that means being Latina enough? And that's a pertinent question for bicultural Latino kids growing up here. And so that connection is a beautiful thing. And, and really, for me, the connection with my own family, with my mother, with my aunts, my grandmother, all of that comes full circle. That's been the most glorious part of writing and, and doing this work. The connection, the use of story to create pride in young people or to help them find their own voice is really amazing. Well, I could tell you reading Yaki Delgado and just feeling that squeezing in the pit of my stomach when she's bullied and beaten and no one is helping her, not even the neighbors who are watching. And seeing her change from this amazing student to you know, not being one because of what she's experienced. And I know it's fiction, but I wanted to just shake her mom as a mother to say, you can see, you know, you see the changes happening in your daughter while you're not doing And I, you know, and I do and I know and I understand as a mom, she was busy, she's working, she's a single mother. I knew and I understood all these things, but I still wanted to say to her, look at your daughter, something's going on and she needs you. We'll have to leave it there. You've been listening to remarks made at the 2016 Tucson Festival of Books. Authors Kathy Camper and Meg Medina presented in the panel American Zal, Breaking the Color Barrier in Mainstream Publishing, sponsored by the Pima County Public Library's Nuestras Raices program, authors Kathy Camper and Meg Medina 
discuss their processes, challenges, and successes in making literature more representative and accessible. Cuban-American Meg Medina is the award-winning author of Yaki Delgado Wants to Kick Your Ass, Picture Books, and Young Adult Novels. Arab-American Kathy Camper is a librarian and the author of Low Riders in Space and other picture books. This has been part one of a two-part series. Thanks for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Shager.